Okay, guys, so uh, the reason I call this teaching Back to the Future is because uh, I'm going to recap everything we've talked about for the last 10 weeks. And then, like um, Jane came and spoke, zoom out to see where God is taking us next. Yeah, I was very encouraged with what was spoken because that's kind of what God wants to do. God wants to say, hey, look at what I've done over the last 10 weeks and what I've been uh, taking uh, you on uh, for the last 10 weeks. And now that you know it, uh, let me tell you what lies ahead so that you know how to treat the earth, how to treat nations, how to treat cities, and how to live. And so it's back to the future. I thought that was the appropriate title for it. So let's look at... Hey, guys, you should see uh, Sheldon's hair, by the way. Most of us had a haircut except him. Um, um, so that's not important. Uh, so uh, here's, here's where we've gone in the past and now we're going. Um, here's what we look at. So here's where we started, guys. We, start, we said that with this pandemic or with COVID, uh, as much as it is a physical reality, there are always spiritual realities behind physical circumstances. He said that first, that there are always spiritual realities behind physical circumstances. Uh, in fact, on uh, the YouTube channel, there's a... Um, um, there's a series, not a series, there's one particular recording called Behind the Scenes. If you go listen to it, you'll hear what it has to say. And by the way, if you haven't been trying to listen to the videos online, then you're, a, you're poorer for it. I realize that you can't keep up because sometimes a video is released every two or three days. And so it'll be hard for you to keep up, especially if you're working and if you've got other responsibilities. But if you're not trying to watch them all, then you are poorer for it, and you'll be behind the rest of us who watch it. Yeah? So that's like uh, as uh, clearly and as politely as I can put it. What I mean is, watch it! So, <laughs> there's the spiritual realities behind physical circumstances, and um, so we said that behind this pandemic, behind COVID-19, there are spiritual realities. That's the first point we made. We said that Something like COVID uh, happens once in many years, and uh, it has the ability to paralyze the earth. Paralyze the earth. It has the ability to paralyze the earth. I can hear crunching in the background, but that's okay. It has the ability to paralyze the earth. Guys, the last time something like this happened where the entire earth came to a standstill was during World War II. That's the last time it happened. Where the entire earth came to a standstill where things just weren't normal for years on end. That was more than 74 years ago. We said that when the earth is paralyzed this way, here are the things that happen. Uh, there is war. This is how the earth is paralyzed usually. There is war, there is famine, there is disease. 
and there is scarcity. These are the four methods that the enemy has always used to paralyze the earth. We also said that COVID or this pandemic is not a God thing, that it is not God's attempt to punish, it is not God's attempt to force us to repent, that this thing did not come from God. I've not been able to participate in uh, certain global prayer meets on Zoom because um, when, when you participate with people who are saying, oh, we need to repent because this is God's anger upon the earth, uh, it's difficult for me to participate knowing that this is not God's anger, that this is not God's discipline, that this is not how God is. And so right away, 10 weeks ago, we established that this is an attack of the enemy that paralyzes the earth, and he has always used these methods, war, famine, disease, and scarcity. He's always used these methods to cripple the earth. And in the process of using these four methods to cripple the earth, what Satan intends to create is fear, greed, fear, greed, lack, and pride. It's always been the case. Whenever things like this happen, there's fear that grips the earth. There's a felt lack which people now try to fill. There is greed because people start hoarding and desiring things for themselves. And then there is pride. There's a defiance. And you see it with Israel. You see it with um, any nation. Once it's broken, what do you hear? This is Boston strong, or this is Vancouver strong, or this is New York strong. What has been broken, we will build again. Where the sycamore was removed, we will plant cedars. Where buildings were torn down, we will build walls. The, the, Isaiah 11 talks about this, where there's a defiance that nobody can put us down. This is cyclical, guys. And when the earth begins to feel this, then solutions or placebo solutions are provided by government, by commerce, by religion. These three step in to provide solutions that are actually uh, have a placebo effect. And unfortunately, these three sum up the lifeblood of Babylon. We talked about all this. I'm recapping it so that you understand what God has been doing with us for the last 10 weeks. If you have any questions on this, feel free to ask. Hey, it's critical that we understand this, eh? Because, uh, see, you know, we quote this often that the sons of Issachar knew their times. What was meant by the sons of Issachar knew their times was very simple. They knew what God was up to. They knew what seasons were coming, what seasons were passing. And here are sons of Issachar who should know what God is up to so that we have a correct perspective, so that our prayers are accurate, so that we know how to approach things. Otherwise, we are like blind men feeling around, one day saying repentance, another day saying discipline, another day saying the devil, another day saying God's judgment. And we wander around without a solid idea of what is happening. Any questions on this? 
then we talked about how if this is left unchecked, if this is left unchecked, then the earth will be dented irreversibly. Every time things like this have been left unchecked, the earth is dented irreversibly. And this again is cyclical. You'll see in Genesis 3, for example, and then in Genesis 6, and then in Genesis 11, you will find that there were three... I mean, if you look at Genesis 1 to 12, you will have an idea of what happens on the earth again and again and again. Genesis 1 to 12 is repeated. History is on repeat. If you read Genesis 1 to 12, you know the pattern. You know, you know the devil's pattern and you know God's pattern. And so in Genesis 3, what happened? There was death and decay introduced into the world through Adam's sin. It was an irreversible dent on the earth. The earth never recovered from that. In Genesis 6, there was demonic interference. And the earth never recovered from that. So much so that God had to send a flood. In Genesis 11, what happened? Nimrod built Babylon and the Tower of Babel, and the nations were scattered, and the earth never recovered from that. These were such irreversible dents left on the earth because nobody stood up to contest what the enemy was doing. However, every time something like this happens, God has Genesis 12 waiting for the earth. And what happens in Genesis 12? If death happened and decay happened and demonic interference happened and defiance from Nimrod happened, then Genesis 12 always brings forth a deliverer. And the first deliverer that God sends is Abraham. And since then, any time the earth suffers this way, God sends the descendants of Abraham, the true descendants of Abraham. I'm not talking about the nation Israel. I'm talking about true Israel as in the sons of the living God today. God always sends them and says, hey, can you combat this? Can you stand up and begin to speak for the earth? Our role over the last few weeks has been to one, understand what is happening, two, to speak it to anybody who listens. And so there have been different parts of the world that have understood this and have began praying a certain way. You might say, but what's one voice amongst eight billion? Guys, if there's anything I'm absolutely convinced of over the last 10 weeks, it is this, that I am a majority of one, that we are a majority of one, that God just needs one or two or 10 or 20 or 40 or 50 people to agree with him. That's all he needs. He doesn't even need that, but that's enough for him to announce what he needs to and to do what he wants to. And so our role over the last 10 weeks has, to be, has been to understand this. And once we understand this, we needed to recognize the powers that work globally and in nations and in cities. Once we understood this, then it was God's intent that, hey guys, now that you've understood how it works, now that I've shown you from scriptures what's actually afoot, now that you know that I'm a good God, I'm a kind God, I'm a God who uses kindness to bring people to repentance, that I'm not 
waiting to count the sins of the world against them, that I have paid the price of reconciliation, that my body is the body that goes out and displays my kindness to the world. Once we understood this, and once we understood that there were powers at work, spiritual powers, uh, rulers of darkness that were working globally and in nations and in cities, then we were in a place to now begin to pray and take action. We talked about different powers affecting different cities, nations, and we talked about long ago, about four weeks ago, we talked about a power called Leviathan. That it was a ruling spirit that was behind most of the things that were happening on the earth for the last 10 to 12 weeks. Won't go into that. And if it's the first time you're hearing this, then it's because either you don't remember or you didn't watch uh, some of the videos. But that's fine. Now you uh, have been uh, told, so you can take it from here. Besides these powers, we went... We began to pray for different nations, different cities, uh, different parts of the globe. We prayed for Indonesia, different from Quebec. We prayed for Yemen, different from New York. We prayed for India, different from Bahrain. We are praying now for Brazil, different from um, New Zealand. And we are praying for Vancouver very specifically. We are praying for downtown east side, different from Richmond. This was part of the reason we had the Open You Ancient Doors series, so that every time a video was released, you could go home and begin to pray. Like we said, every time in each video, I would say, pray for a city and pray for, pray for your city and pray for a nation or a location and use these methods to pray. And so the intent of God, not the intent of your pastor, but the intent of God is through this time, can I show you how things work? And can I raise a people who get the hang of how to effectively, strategically do what I ask them to do so that I can stop things in nations. I'll give you a simple example. Cyclone Amphan, super cyclone Amphan, struck India and Bangladesh last week. There were people praying for that. The last time a super cyclone struck, struck was in 1999. There were 10,000 lives lost. Guess how many lives lost this time? 96. I'm absolutely convinced about how effective it is when you pray what God asks you to pray and that we are a majority of one. Uh, that is the greatest thing that has come out of these 10 weeks. I could give you examples of things that happened in Indonesia, the way death rates began to lower in Quebec. So Jacob, are you saying that we are the only ones praying? Perhaps not, but all I know is we are praying. And what did this prayer look like? It looked like declarations. Go again and visit, open up your ancient doors. Most of them were declarations. Very rarely were there appeals or supplications. 
Because we were not asking God for mercy. Because this God is super merciful. What happened as we began to pray is that there were stunning visible results. One day, I'll, I'll tabulate all the results when COVID is over. And I'll, I'll bring newspaper articles. And I'll show you what we prayed and what the result was. I did, just gave you Amphan as an example. That there were certain places where governments were asking if we could pray a certain way because they were certain, seeing certain results. That sounds ridiculous, but it's true. And then around April 29th, around April 29th, we began to have this sense that the waters will recede. Uh, and actually, we're looking forward to May 4th because we knew that God was going to do something new all across the globe around the first week of May. And so um, I remember um, uh, talking to you on May third or May 4th or May 7th, whichever Sunday it was, about how God put a rainbow. And I've always spelt rainbow since then. When I, whenever I think of that particular rainbow, I always spell it as rainbow. It's wrong spelling. This is not for kids. This is for grown-ups only. And so um, I, I've, I've been spelling rainbow that way for the last one month or so because I had this sense that the waters were going to recede and the rainbow was going to appear. And then on the 29th um, of April, the rainbow did appear. And here's what we uh, sensed God saying through, the, through that rainbow. We sensed God saying that despite the wickedness of the earth, despite the wickedness of the earth that will increase now, despite the wickedness of the earth, that will increase as COVID lifts. Despite the wickedness of the earth, that will increase as COVID lifts. I, God, will restrain the devil. And the next Three years will be years of unparalleled kindness. We also talked about how times of disaster are never times of harvest. You look at the Bible, you look at uh, incidents, you look at the history of the world, the church never grew when disasters hit. It's a falsehood that we believe that is perpetrated by people too. That during disasters, no, during disasters, people will come to church for rice. And once you supply them the rice, they will leave. It's a kindness of God that draws people to him, not disasters. If fear and disasters could draw people to God, God would use that on a regular basis. Let's send an earthquake. Let's collect some people for heaven. This is what we sense God saying, 
And if you were to go back and look at some of the teachings, I'm just summing it all up in one shot because we need to understand the last 10 weeks because if we don't, a people who don't understand their past will not be able to step into their future. And as the waters begin to recede, God began to say, hey, I'm seeking a remnant. I'm seeking a remnant. A remnant. That will now go out and seed the earth with my unparalleled kindness and spirit. That was about four or five weeks, four weeks ago. And once he started saying that, we said, okay, so what does that look like, Lord? Because in September last year, you told us that 2020 was the year of the Holy Spirit. So what does that look like? How are you going to seed? And it's such a biblical concept. I think it's in Ecclesiastes 11 or thereabouts, where it talks about how when floodwaters recede, that's when you should seed. Because the, the soil is very fertile. And so God is saying, hey, can I find a remnant that will go out and seed the earth with unparalleled kindness as I restrain Satan? And will you seed the earth with the works of my spirit? I was talking to May, I think, and I was telling May, man, we need to go back and look at what God has already done because every week, if we come up with a new teaching... There's no, no catching up, man, because these teachings are pretty decent. And so you keep going on to, oh, what's a, what did we teach last week? Even I forget what I taught last week. And so this is why I thought it'd be good to sum it up. We knew in 2020 that it was a year of the Spirit. And so we began to ask God, if you wanted to seed the earth with kindness and with your Spirit, and you said this year was the year of the Spirit, what do you want us to focus on? Because when you talk about the Spirit, the Spirit does everything. So what are we supposed to focus on? And it was very simple. He told us to focus on one word. Release. And that is why we've been hanging around Isaiah 61. That is why Ari read Isaiah 61. If you go back over the last three weeks, we've been talking about Isaiah 61. That the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For he has. And then it continues. She read the whole thing today. Release. And this now begins to set us up for the future. And we said that release has two components. Or, and what are those two components? The two components of release are vengeance and favor. Vengeance and favor. In Isaiah 61, you, it talks about the favor of the Lord, the year of the favor of the Lord and the vengeance of God. And both are critical parts of release. What is vengeance? Vengeance is a divine decree. Vengeance is a divine decree executed with wisely 
directed fury against physical and spiritual oppressors. And it's an essential part of release. Which is why I call it praying carefully, praying strategically, so that our fury is wisely directed in the, uh, with the intent of executing upon spiritual oppressors that which God wants to sentence them to. Only time will tell what, uh, how effect, not only time will tell, only time will prove to others how effective our prayers were. I'll just leave it at that. And we talked about the year of favor. And favor, we said, was part of this idea of jubilee where every 50th year, people would be released. eh? People would be granted release. You could go and proclaim release to your servants, to your land, to uh, bondage. You could proclaim release and you would grant release. That was the idea of favor. So release has these two items in it, we said. And who were we um, talking about releasing? We were talking about releasing the spiritually and morally poor. We were talking about releasing prisoners, those that had been sentenced for something that they had done. We were talking about releasing captives, those that had not done anything wrong but had been taken captive by tyrants or by uh, powers greater than them. We were talking about releasing those that were crushed and brokenhearted. All this is from Isaiah 61. We were talking about releasing those that were sorrowing. Sorrowing why? Sorrowing because of guilt. Sorrowing because of shame. Sorrowing because of tremendous loss. We were talking about releasing those that were blind our dwelling in darkness. Uh, Who makes all this happen? The Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because Isaiah 61 says that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed us, the church. Acts 29 being part of the church. He has anointed us, the church, to do what? To preach the good news to the poor, to the spiritually and morally broken, to the captives, those that have been taken prisoner against their will, to the prisoners who've been sentenced rightly for things that they may have done wrong, to the mourning or the sorrowing, to the blind and those dwelling in darkness, to those that have been crushed and that are brokenhearted. To these, God is saying, hey, guess what I'm going to do over the next 30 months with you, church? And what are we supposed to release them into? We are supposed to release them into favor. Whose favor? The favor of this awesome God. If you heard the teaching on favor that was put online, man, it's mind-blowing. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching it and I'm thinking to myself, oh, shucks, didn't know this before. People, we don't know the favor of God. We need to savor it before we can... Show it. Favor. What do we release them into? We release them into favor, 
into freedom, into rest, favor, freedom, rest, and sufficiency. This is what we release this group into. Why? Because once upon a time, I used to be part of this group. I'm drawing myself sufficiently healthy. Um, it's not a stick figure, as you can see. So <laughs> once upon a time, I used to be part of this group. I almost fell into every category here. But at some point, someone had the ability repeatedly to show me the kind of kindness that only comes from God. And I have moved from here, and I'm increasing in favor, increasing in freedom, increasing in rest, and increasing in sufficiency. And now God is saying, hey, Jacob, time to pass on the favor. This is what we've been called to. Restore what was stolen. Restore what was lost and forfeited. Restore that which was taken away. Restore it back. Guys, there is a pattern to what God is doing. He's going to teach us how to do it. I'm just setting you up for it because he's setting us up for it. All this we've already talked about. We haven't gotten to the place where we see what's going to happen next. This thing is very dusty when you slam it like that. Any questions? Derek, any questions coming in? Problem is, guys, we have to savor this as a lifestyle before we can flavor the earth with it. We have to savor this as a lifestyle before we can flavor the earth with it. And last week, this is uh, where we sign off and start what God wants to do ahead. Last week, we said that the ingredients of release are favor... Presence, glory, promise, provision. And the question is, do I know this in my life? If I don't know this in my life, how do I give it out? God is not asking us to distribute bread. He's saying, break your life and give it. He's not asking you to go get bread from somewhere else and give it. He says, Jacob, break your life and give it. And so Jacob's life must have these ingredients. Do I understand and walk in favor? Do I understand and walk in presence? Do I understand his splendor, his weight, his magnificence, his glory? Do I understand what it is to receive from God? Ah, forgot one. Receive from God his glory, his goodness. And we talked last week about how each one just spills into the other. His glory, his goodness, his promise, and his provision. 
And to the extent that you know it, only to that extent can you break it. The strange thing is everybody here knows something about it if you've been in this church for more than a year because of the grace of the Holy Spirit to show us these things. Only we are now called to increase in it. It's not even a choice. It's saying, I command you to go and proclaim and trigger release across the earth. I command you to proclaim and trigger release upon the earth. Hey, Tatio, the camera's still on me, right? Just checking. Tate's the new cameraman. I hope you do a better job than Don. <laughs> what? Okay. I hope there are no child labor laws being broken here. Okay. Ouch, that's on tape now. Tate is 18. Okay. So, I want to read out something that kind of summarizes all this. So this was something uh, that Joan wrote on um, a last week or so. That it's a it's a simple poem that summarizes everything we've said here. The wind of the spirit blows over the earth. The waters recede and worship comes forth. This is the year of the Spirit, the year of rest and release, to the east, to the west, to the south and the north. God is moving by his Spirit as never seen before. His love for mankind knows no bounds, and we will see his grace and compassion soar. God will judge all powers and thrones. Vengeance belongs to our King. His justice is perfect, his vision complete. This is the reason we sing. A jubilee will sound forth and set many souls free. Nations will rise up to what God wants them to be. Seeding will happen in spirit, rest and release. No other way can it be. His glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. This sums up everything that we've learned till now. Any questions before we go forward? So, that's the back, now to the future. So where are we today? Where are we today? I would suggest to you, regardless of what you hear on, um, in the media, I'd suggest to you that where we are today is in 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings 18. Verse, if, you, if you were to combine, verse 43 and 41. 1 Kings 18, 43 and 41. And here's what it says. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look towards the sea, he told his servant, and he went up and looked. There is nothing there. He said, seven times Elijah said, go back. The seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. So if I could combine verse 41 and 43, 
then where are we at today? Here's where we are at. Regardless of what you hear around the earth, here is where we are at. Prepare your chariot because I can hear the sound of the abundance offering. This is where we are at. Why do I say that, guys? Uh, I'll share it in the future, but I want you to know that the fire of God has fallen. I want you to know that the Lord is God. I want you to know that Baal or Baal has been dethroned. I want you to know that Leviathan's head has been shattered. I want you to know that his torso has been broken and cannot be pieced together again. I want you to know that the spiritual powers behind this earth-crippling attempt to dent it is broken. That a time has come where God is saying, Church, since you have taken care of the enemy and I have dealt with it as I instructed you to pray across the globe, I'm saying to you now, prepare your chariot for I hear the sound of rain. As in, get ready, church, because the release that I was speaking about, that I'm going to send you on, that I'm commanding you to proclaim and trigger, get ready for it. Occasionally encourage me by saying, yeah. Because, you know, I can actually make this quite dramatic. I can take my jacket off, thump the Bible a few times, pound my hand on the table, but it would feel so artificial, which is why I'm not doing it. But I could get a few rah-rahs out of you if I did that. But since I'm not doing that, okay, so here's how you need to uh, think of it. Let's assume that there was a huge octopus over this building and it was beginning to crush this building. Tentacles wrapped around this building and beginning to crush it. And God tells us how to fight it. And instead of cutting out the tentacles, we go for the head and we break its head open and the tentacles lose its effect and it falls down. That is literally what has happened. God has shown us how to deal with this. He has shown other churches around the world to deal with this. There were people dealing with the same thing in South Africa, in the UK, in India, in Indonesia, in different parts of the world, in Lithuania, in Brazil. People were praying the same way you and I were praying. And now that the head has been broken, God is saying, guys, now stop worrying about the piece of lard on top of this building because it's just that. It's a dead octopus that, whose, tentacles, whose tentacles don't have any uh, strength to do you harm. So instead of focusing on that, now get on with the work that I have called you to. Because there are other places to go to and bring release. That's the, um, that's the most childlike way I can tell you what is happening. One day, perhaps, we'll discuss why and how God has had us arrive at this conclusion. The fire of God has fallen, as in on Mount Carmel. The fire of God has fallen. The Lord, he is God. Baal or Baal has been dethroned. His head has been broken. His torso has been shattered. And if that is the case, guys, then we are talking now about a shift in Kairos. I'm not using a Greek word to sound uh, um, 
Greeky. Uh, I'm just using it because it's true. A shift in Kairos has happened. And when I say a shift in Kairos, what I mean is God is saying, hey, 10 weeks you did what I told you to. Great. But now, but now I want you. 10 weeks I told you to behave a certain way. You've done it. Great. But now there's a shift in Kairos. Kairos is fluid times of God where God says, aha, this is over. Now let me start you on something else. There is a shift for Acts 29 that is coming. And here's a shift, guys. Creation is longing. Creation is longing to partner with someone from heaven. Creation is longing as in the rest of the earth. Nations, cities, lives, peoples. Creation is longing. We can't hear it because you don't hear the hearts of people. You don't hear their voices. You don't hear trees cry out. You don't hear the earth groan. But the Spirit of God does. I was listening to a Christian song on my car uh, stereo and suddenly because I touched something it flipped to Vivaldi and uh, started playing this really nice classical piece by Vivaldi and I felt that ah shucks maybe I should go back to that Christian song called Jubilee because that's the right thing to do. And I felt the Lord saying, can you leave it alone? I really like this music. And two things happened when I sensed him saying that. One, I realized how much he loves music. And two, I realized that he still has such a deep desire for things to be beautiful again. You don't understand that and I don't understand that. And there is this deep yearning in the heart of the creator. How long must I wait before things will be beautiful again? Which is why every pristine composition, every little drawing made by a child that tries to put into colors what the child is feeling is worth its weight in gold before God because he loves beauty. And so creation longs for someone who can partner with the sound of heaven. Creation longs for it. So the question is, who will chop down a tree and throw it into the water so that the bitter waters of Mara will be healed? Who? You're waiting for some, some guy from the US or some new Elijah? Who will chop down a tree and throw it into the bitter waters of Mara? Who will go to the valley of bones and command the bones to come together? Who will prophesy to the breath? Who will go and end the barrenness of cities by sprinkling salt at the source? Who will direct the river of God to begin to flow afresh into the sea so that it will teem with fish? Who will walk on the mountains with feet that bring good news? Who will walk and bring freedom that the earth longs for? Who? I pray that you and I get so affected by God's heart to see things restored to how it used to be and how it will soon be. The church is placed here on earth so we can hasten this. 
hasten this in lives and then hasten this in creation. It really bothered me that he liked uh, that he liked music and he didn't want he didn't want this piece to change. He didn't want to go back to Christian music. He wanted to listen to that which was a beautiful piece. He loves beautiful things. It's very intrinsic to him. There's nothing ugly in him. There is nothing ugly in him. If there was even a little bit of ugliness in him, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. He could have handled us. It was for the ugliness of the earth that he sent Jesus because things must be restored. That which is distorted and broken must be restored. Creation is longing to partner with someone from heaven or someone who hears the sound of heaven. And I'm saying to you, Acts 29, you must. I will. You must. Who will speak to the dry bones? Who will prophesy breath? Who will release a river to, to this, afresh so that the sea will teem with fish? Whose feet will bring good news? Where are those that will bring the freedom of the sons of God? Romans chapter 8 talks about it. Eh? Creation waits. Will I, with the Spirit, Come alongside battered creation and groan with groanings too deep for release, for restoration, for righteousness. I pray God, and I pray God that by the power of the Spirit, He's able to do this. Where Liddy, where Jaya, where Praful, where Rhonda, where Joan, where Jacob, where Vivek, where Babalela, all of us get to a point where it begins to bother us. It begins to bother us. Where I begin to groan with groaning so deep for release, restoration, and righteousness. Sorry, James. Your name is James, and I'll call you James. You know, sometimes I wish I had the oratorial skills. To persuade you. But even if I had them, it would only be skin deep. And so I pray God that the Spirit of God makes you cry, makes you groan, makes you unable to escape his desire Hey, now do you see why Isaiah 61 is so weighty? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor, to open the eyes of the blind. Darkness, ugliness, sorrow, prison, captivity, mourning, heaviness, sadness, ashes. And then look at the exchange. Why is the exchange the way it is? I'll give you beauty for ashes. I'll give you joy for mourning. I'll give you praise for heaviness. I'll open your eyes. I'll bring good news to the poor. I'll open prison doors. I'll call you out of darkness into light. I'll restore your desolate inheritances. Why is this God doing this? 
Do you realize how good he is? Do you realize why those five, six things I wrote are so important? Favor, glory, goodness, promise, provision. It's the nature of God. Acts 29 and those that are connected with us. When I say Acts 29, I no longer mean the few people that are seated here. I'm talking about those that we are connected with and those that are connected with us. I made spread across the globe, eh? Because I want to say this again and again and again. I am so thankful to God over the last 10 weeks for this one truth. That, oh God, you don't need but one man to influence, impact, dispossess, change nations and the condition of the planet. You need one man. And if there are a few more, then my God, it's something else. I never used to believe this. Jeevan asked a question of a couple of his friends yesterday. Do you really believe that the prayers we have been praying have been effective? He didn't tell me what they answered, but he asked the question. And I'm asking you that question. The prayers that you prayed, did you actually believe that they were coming to pass? Because I'll tell you something, in the past I would pray them with all my heart, but I wasn't fully convinced that all of it was happening. But guess what now? That has changed. For the next 30 months, will you let him be responsible for you? Will you let God be responsible for you? So that you can freely pour out your treasure, your talent, your time, your strength for the release of the earth. Let me say that again. I want you, and I want this for me and I want it for you, I want you to stop running after things that take away time, talent, treasure, and your strength. For the next 30 months, I want you to let God be responsible for these things. Because we got not bigger fish to fry, we got bigger things to do. How big a fish can you fry? This is so much bigger. Anyways, it stinks when you fry it. Um, but sorry, I'm totally going off topic. What do I know about all those things? Um, for the next 30 months, will you let God be responsible for the things that the world chases after? you laid down. The way I've written it here is, I will for the next 30 months let him be responsible for me so I can freely pour my treasure, my talent, my time, and my strength so I can pour it out so that the earth may be released. I will. And the reason I say it with a degree of confidence is not because I believe I can but because I've already spoken to the Lord about this. I want you to do the same. Because in the next 30 months, God wants to draw out a remnant that will release the earth. He's going to go f like full throttle, man. I don't want us to miss out on this. Not caring about your jobs, not caring about your monies, not caring about all the things that the world chases after. Because it will all be 
added to you. Don't let anything stand in your way. I mean, when you look at Isaiah 61, that uh, airy red, you realize that if you do this, if you follow the Spirit into a place of release, you realize that he said, provision supplied. Security, provision supplied. Security, restored. Double honor, bestowed. Work, fruitful. Priests, clothed. Kings, come to serve. Promises, fulfilled. Bondage or debt, like financial debt or bondage, reversed. Debt and bondage reversed. He is saying he'll take care of this end. Isn't this what we run after? This he's saying he'll take care of. Provision supplied, security restored, Double honor bestowed, work fruitful, priests clothed, kings come to serve, promises fulfilled, debt and bondage reversed. Why? So that you can pour out your time, talent, treasure, and strength for one simple thing that God wants to do on the earth. Hey, this is God wanting to do it. What other business do you have anyways here on earth? You got some other priority? I want to conclude with a word that uh, Eric from Vernon had given me 12 years ago. 12 years ago, Eric had sent me uh, a dream that he saw. And uh, he sent it to me on August 30th, 2008. And all these years I've kept it, I've read it out once to Acts 29, because I just felt that it hadn't come to pass, hadn't come to pass, that it was in the right time, it was in the right time. And then a couple of weeks ago, I felt the Lord saying, remember that promise that was given to you, that dream that was shown about Acts 29 in 2008, uh, 12 years, uh, now it's the time. So begin to talk about it. And so let me read the dream out to you. So in the dream, he sees a scene, and in the scene, there was a large tray lying on the ground. It was a couple of inches deep and about six feet wide by 12 to 15 feet long, a couple of inches deep. From a platform, a large pot of milk, 20 to 30 gallons, was being poured down into the tray. Two-thirds of the way down the length of the tray from the platform, a pot of honey was being poured into the milk and invisible hands were holding a stirring rod that was stirring honey into the milk. 
Standing beside the tray was a bunch of onlookers. Eventually, a few of them stepped into the tray and began to splash in the milk and honey. They were laughing and rejoicing and dancing, and the more they rejoiced, the more others began to climb in and do likewise. The milk began splashing out of the tray, but the tray did not empty. The large pot continued pouring, and honey continued to be mixed in, and as it continued, the tray began to expand deeper, wider, longer, to be able to fit the continued outpouring of milk and honey and continued entering of onlookers. When I felt the Lord saying, okay, it's time for you to now begin to uh, release this dream, I asked Praful and I asked Betty to paint this dream. And so that's what you see there. This was Praful. And I asked Praful to paint a description of the dream as he saw it. And that is the description of the dream where, once again, let me just uh, stick with this before we go to the next picture. But the idea was that God is saying, hey, listen, the time has come where I am pouring milk and honey, but the stray that was this thing, people are beginning to jump into it. And we are the first ones to jump into it, eh? But as you begin to jump into it, I love this part. Standing beside the tray was a bunch of onlookers. Eventually, a few of them stepped into the tray. Guys, one of the things you must understand about God is that whoever steps in first when he invites gets more than others do. We just think that it's okay to be backbenchers. Let the others go. Let them enjoy. Really? You never do that when the boss is giving out bonuses. And so, standing beside the tree was a bunch of onlookers. Eventually, a few of them stepped into the tree and began to splash in the milk and honey. They were laughing and rejoicing and dancing. Our worship will change. And the more they rejoiced, the more others began to climb in and do likewise. The milk began splashing out of the tray, but the tray did not empty. And then I asked Betty to paint an abstract of this. He did the description. Betty painted the abstract and it blew my mind. Look at that, eh? I showed this to someone and they couldn't believe it. I mounted it on a frame and it's in metal. And it's the same principle. I just love what Praful and Betty did. It's, it's phenomenal what they did. And the reason I decided to uh, have it painted is because sometimes when God begins to release something prophetic, it must be displayed, it must be spoken of, it must be experienced, it must be planned for, it must be stepped into. And I am saying to you, please take off your walking shoes. Please take off your high heels. Please wear your blue suede shoes from now on when you come to Acts 29. Please begin to come ready for what God wants to do because this tray is going to grow bigger. It's going to grow deeper. Those that begin to jump into it will begin to thrill in it. As more begin to jump into it, more will go out. Read Psalm, uh, Psalm 36, verse 5 to 10 from the message. Psalm 36, 
5 to 10 from the message. Basically, what Psalm 36 verse 5 to 10 says is, Oh God, you are calling us now to feast on your abundance. Feast on the abundance of your house. Drink from the river. Feast on the abundance of your house. Drink from the river. Can you put it up or you can't? If you can't, I'll read it out. Guys, I wish, this is where speaking in tongues is very helpful, but it won't help you. Where I know what God wants to do, but I can't convey it in English yet, yet. I can read it, man. I should read. <laughs> Psalm 36. It's a difficult life, Derek. No, I mean, you can get 85, you can give, get 85 things right, you get one thing wrong. <laughs> uh, if you could remove the box which says free prayer, guys. Guys, I love how it says it in the uh, message. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdicts, oceanic. Just remember that. We're not talking about a small God who is doing small things. This thing will hold, right? Um, We're not talking about a small God who does small things. This is a God whose purposes are huge. Please consider it a privilege. This is not some kind of thanks date. This is not some kind of, uh, if you want to come and visit for tea. No! This is a privilege and a command. This is why I said change your shoes. Drop your inhibitions. God's love is meteoric, his loyalty astronomic, his purpose titanic, his verdicts oceanic, yet in his largeness nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. How exquisite your love, O God, how eager we are to now run under your wings to eat our fill at the banquet you spread as you fill our tankards with Eden spring water. You're a fountain of cascading light and you open our eyes to light. Keep on loving your friends. Do your work in welcoming hearts. Guys, we need to experience this by jumping into that pool. And once we jump into that pool, we now need to cause it to splash. I'm still six feet away from everybody. We need to jump into the pool. And after the whole place shook though, huh? <laughs> we have to jump into the pool. And after jumping into the pool, cause things to splash. Another scripture that I want you to look at is Second um, Samuel 6, 11 to 15. I just am using these scriptures to give you an idea of this prophetic dream of where we are at, of what God is inviting us into. Look at uh, 2 Samuel 6. Uh, don't worry about it, uh, Derek. 2 Samuel 6. <laughs> 2 Samuel 6, 5 to 11. I'm just reading. 2 Samuel 6. 2 Samuel 6, 11 to 15. 2 Samuel 6, 11 to 15. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. 
Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord took six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and his entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. This must happen in Acts 29, because I'm saying to you, you have such favor right now in your lives as a church as never before. I've been in this church for 14 years. I know that some of the things that God is bringing to us is the sheer spoils of war. Some of it is his absolute delight at our obedience. Some of it is, man, I'm so glad you stood up in faith. And some of it is, do you want this invitation? God will take care of all the other things. Milk and honey was basically an expression that meant I'll take care of everything in life. But as I do that, and it's not just applying to the guys who are, gather under this roof, anybody that's connected with us. As you do that, just like Obed-Edom's house is blessed, was blessed, your house will be blessed. And David, kings and priests will come saying, hey, can we get into this? Can we have a bit of this? Can we also partake in this? And the Lord will say, Absolutely. Because they ain't going to take you. They're going to take God for this to happen. This is how prosperity works. Prosperity doesn't work by giving God some money so he can bless it and multiply it and give it back to you. Prosperity works by giving God your life. When you give God your life, he takes care of your life. When you give God money, you only get some money back. If I, if I marshal this correctly, as in, if I hear God, if I don't lead us into mistakes, errors, callousness, carelessness, if I, if I, can, if I can listen to the voice of the Spirit and lead us as a people into this, then know that others will see Others will seek. Others will come and say, we want this too. And God will begin to bring release on the earth through the little thing that he does through this picture as he begins to pour milk and pour honey. And as he begins to now cause us to jump into this, more will come from beyond the border to begin to play as he begins to stir it with an invisible hand. New things happening, new flavors I just thought doing it abstract, I really didn't know how it would turn out. But to be able to do it abstract and yet make sense out of it is brilliant. And I framed this, and I first thought I'll auction it, but then I looked at both of them and I thought, nope, I'll keep it for myself. Yeah. But, yeah. One last, two, two more scriptures. One is from Isaiah 54, 2 to 4. I'm just trying to emote in you what God is trying to say through pictures and through scriptures. Isaiah 54, 2 to 4.
I don't know whether to start this verse saying, I will enlarge as in God saying it, or whether I should just leave it as it. But here's what it says anyways. Enlarge the place of your tent, church. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Acts 29 has always been a church for the nations, eh? Here's what God is saying. Let me read it again. I will enlarge the place of your tent. I will stretch your tent curtains wide. You know, the strange thing is this song begins with uh, God saying to the woman, Sing, O barren woman. And the, uh, in the ancient uh, Near East, it was women who would set up the tent. And so there's an act of faith here. He's saying to this woman that, listen, you may still not have had children, but I want you to widen the space that you live in. And as you widen the space, I will provide you children. And so... Part of this requires faith, part of this requires love, part of this requires joy, part of this requires singing. If you're not the singing type, then change quickly. One of the things I love doing when worship is happening is walk around and see who's singing and who's not. I don't say anything to you, but I begin to pray secretly saying, please, oh God, open their mouth. Because singing is such a part of who God is, eh? I mean, especially when there are famous singers like Aaron around. I know it's a little difficult to compete, but sing, man. God will enlarge the tent. God will enlarge the tray. Create wider spaces for yourself with faith, love, joy, and singing, as is being asked of this woman, even though she does not have children yet. I'm glad that some of you have gone into wider spaces, gone into bigger tents. Even before you have uh, what you asked for, you have decided to move and enlarge your space in the expectation of what God has promised. Ancient promises will be fulfilled. This is something I love doing. Before God's uh, promises come to pass, I want to go and do what he said is going to happen and create room for it. Blessed are you if you have gotten the hang of it and have done it already, for ancient promises shall come to pass. Last scripture, Isaiah 42.9, and I'll stop with this. Isaiah 42.9. See, the former things have taken place, the new things I declare, before they spring into being, and I announce them to you. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. You know that Isaiah 54 promise was something given to Acts 29 on September 16, 2006. It's odd how sometimes God takes so much time to bring this to pass. September 16, 2006, I think I was flying to London. Um, earlier that day, I'd received this promise that a day is coming when Acts 29, you will find yourself in the middle of this promise. And I was at YVR, and I remember calling Heidi and saying, hey, I just want you to know that God has given this promise. That was September 16, 2006. The dream that Eric saw was August 30th, 2008. 
Guys, sometimes you have to wait because God will prove himself true. And then suddenly one day you'll know, oh shucks, what was then is now. That which was, that has become now. Very often in the Bible, God talks like that. That which was promised has now come to pass. So here's what I want to end with. Today, the former things are done. Today, the former things are done. Today, the former things are done. Take your Goliaths, take your Jerichos, take your Carmels, take your Barakas to the storehouse and store them there so that we can remember. What do I mean by that? You may have won a lot of wars, you may have brought down a whole lot of Goliaths. Great. Take Goliath's head, put it in the storehouse. You may have had a few amazing victories on Carmel over the last many years. Great. Take photographs of the altar, take photographs of the fire that came down. It was amazing. Take photographs of that, put it in your album, put it in the storehouse. You may have had a few Jerichos come crumbling down. Great. Awesome. God showed himself. The walls crumbled. Take photographs or build it with Minecraft and uh, take a video of it like Finn did. Put it away in your storehouse. You may have had a few barakas, valleys where you saw the enemy ambush each other. And for three days you went collecting the spoils. The valley of Baca became the valley of Baraka or praise. Great. Write songs about it. Take them, put them in your book and put it in the storehouse. What is a storehouse for? A storehouse is where you keep the things of God so that you can pull them out again and remember his goodness or pull them out again so that you can show Tate and Phoebe what God did when you were their age. But God is saying that today, the former things are done. So assign your Goliaths, assign your Jerichos, assign your Carmels, assign your Barakas to the storehouse so that we can remember it or pull it out when we want. But God is announcing new salvation work. God is announcing new salvation work. God is announcing new salvation work for us to savor it, for us to know his favor, for us to know his release, for us to know his goodness, for us to know his glory, for us to know his promise, for us to know his provision. But after we know it and as we increase in it, that we may begin to bring release to the ends of the earth, that the tray may grow deeper, that onlookers will no longer be onlookers, that we will immediately jump into the stirring of the milk and honey, that they'll be rejoicing and singing and dancing, that milk and honey will begin to splash out, that the earth will be affected by a small group of people and through the ones that we are connected to because we believe in the majority of one. Everything that God said over the last 10 weeks, he has been faithful to. I have seen his sleeves rolled up. I have seen his mighty right hand. I have seen him as Yahweh, the mighty God. I have seen him true to his promise. I have seen him as a man of war. I have seen him as a mighty warrior. If he has been true in my past, he'll be even truer in my future. For he has opened our eyes. He has opened our eyes. God is commanding you to trigger and proclaim his release. It's a privilege. 
The former is over. God is announcing a new salvation work. My God, don't miss out on this man. I'm saying, God, be annoyed with me when I'm disobedient from now on. Don't be kind. Occasionally be annoyed. Come sing in the river one more time. Um, as we sing in the river, I don't know if, is it possible to put the words on the screen or you'll have to remove the screen? No, no, can you put the words on the screen? Really? With the picture behind? No. <laughs> okay, let's sing the song in the river. And as we sing it, may you begin to dare to do a little more than when you first sang the song at the beginning. I'm not telling you what to do. I know that this is not an on and off switch. But this is uh, habits and lifestyles that we will deconstruct and reconstruct. So as we sing this song, in the light of what God is saying, uh, let's begin to move forward.